Welcome to the CyberLife Podcast, where we help you learn cybersecurity best practices, give you a weekly update on the latest cybersecurity news, and share valuable career advice. Hey everyone, it's Ken. In this episode, you're going to learn from Kristen DeMorenville. Kristen stands at the crossroads of cybersecurity and food protection. As a founder and CEO of Anzen Sage, she fuses her 25 years of cybersecurity experience with a deep-seated passion for food. And if you didn't guess already, we're going to be talking about food safety and cybersecurity. So rather than merely seeing food safety as a tech defense, Kristen views cybersecurity and food safety as a safeguard against the harmful impact of shame, which can then lead to greater risk. And so this perspective she has emphasizes people and processes over the technology and really aims for organizational resilience. She has expertise across industries, including groundbreaking work on factory security controls for a global 500 company in Japan. Kristen's unique blend of operational technology and IoT security knowledge, coupled with a degree she has in environmental management, provides her with a holistic view of the interconnectedness of natural and technological systems. At Anzenjaj, uh, which again is her company, her love for food and wine translates into a mission to intertwine cybersecurity with food safety culture. And I'll just mention here that a lot of cybersecurity people are into food and wine and flavorful things. So if that's you out there, if you're a food lover, you're going to love connecting with Kristen. So away from her organization, she's also a respected voice in numerous top publications. She's a coveted speaker at different industry events, including conferences. She has a, a wide variety of interests, including travel, uh, photography, and of course, food, and that really helps enrich her cybersecurity career. She's an expert, a visionary leader, a storyteller, and a huge advocate for intertwining food protection and cybersecurity. So without further ado, let's dive right in. I hope you already ate lunch, and let's learn from Kristen in this episode. So welcome, Kristen, to the show. Appreciate you uh, taking some time to hop on. So... Today, we're going to talk about food safety and cybersecurity. And just to give some clarity kind of upfront to everyone, when we talk about the food industry, are we just talking about fast food restaurants like McDonald's or Burger King? Or are we talking about, is it kind of broader than that? Uh, it is broader than that. So think the whole food industry. I, I know that that is very broad and people are like, wait, what? Um, think about it from where does your food come from? Ultimately, it's either seed or animal, right? Um, we're talking about that whole spectrum of the food life cycle, if you will. Um, personally, my background is in food production, so food manufacturing, um, but that isn't limited to much at, really anyways, because food and beverage is considered you know, food production. Um, agriculture is its own whole thing. Um, the cannabis industry is its whole own thing. Um, you, you can even separate beer and wine. Um, I was just reminded recently that beer is a critical infrastructure piece. And I agreed, yes, we have to remind ourselves that, um, but anything to do with food. So think cosmetics as well. I'm not going to go as far as saying like pharmaceuticals, but they do have a food aspect to them in terms of quality and food safety and defense and protection. Um, so picture what you want, um, livestock farm, chicken farm food production, bakery items, grocery store, restaurant, I'm missing something. Any of that um, is food. So even food delivery for that matter. Awesome. So back in 2021, if I recall correctly, a JBS, which is a, a meat a processor down in Brazil, if I recall correctly on that too, mm -hmm. uh, they suffered a ransomware attack that shut down operations. So in light of kind of an increase over the years of ransomware attacks, specifically targeting the food industry. 
How do you think that organizations should view that relationship between food safety and cybersecurity? It's paramount that they view them together. Uh, a lot of the food protection aspect is going digital or has gone digital. Um, a lot of their processes are automated and things like that. Think access control when it comes to various different systems. Uh, that is cybersecurity. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, and because we are in this digital space, the idea of partnership and collaboration between the two silos, if you will, and we're going to have a lot of puns here, people, so just hold on, um, are going to be really critical in order to make sure that we have safe food, not just, you know, safe as in there's, you know, uh, firewalls and all the fun things that we do within security controls, but also safe to ingest. Um, it's about traceability. It's about the ability of being transparent in the food protection side. And cybersecurity can help with that because we're looking at so many systems and we have technology that's monitoring for incidents. Why can't we adapt that and help out the food protection people and vice versa? Because they also are looking at things that are very similar. So to me, it's a hold hands, pick up the shovels together, you know, grab the rakes and let's go kind of moment. Um, and I'm, I'm personally really excited because I love the idea of this kind of a collaboration because they have very similar um, mindsets. People's hearts are really into this because food is very emotional and culturally driven. Um, cybersecurity is full of a lot of people with big hearts. So it's really kind of just a perfect blend of people. So how can we integrate cybersecurity? So, so some of the best practices out there for cybersecurity, how can we integrate that into the existing food safety and uh, defense protocols to, to really just kind of build out that strong security culture in the organizations? Sure. Uh, I think the first thing, honestly, and I know a lot of people are going to like when I say this, but um, it comes down to awareness. Um, we all talk about it all the time that people are the biggest asset or the biggest like complication and possibly attack vector that's out there. So why not make cybersecurity part of food protection culture? So um, when it comes to, um, I usually use the example of uh, fire safety, right? We want it to be as simple as stop, drop, and roll. Whatever culture you know, or language you learn, it, it's something similar. Um, I would like to see food protection and cybersecurity aspects to be as simple as that. I've interviewed and been with a lot of food professionals over the years, and their biggest struggle is what do I do when something happens? Um, I feel like that's a valid human question, right? And I would like them to be able to, you know, when they have a ransomware situation or they have a phishing email or something like that, that they understand that they need to not panic. And these are the steps they should take very quickly. Um, I'm not going to go into all those steps because you have a cybersecurity audience, uh, Ken, and I don't think that, you know, it's that it's worth it to go through that. But um, that's what they're asking for is what do I do when something happens? Just to the point where if we were a cybersecurity professional sitting in a food manufacturing facility, and we know that somebody walked between the peanut area and the non-peanut area and crossed over our access controls, do we panic? Or do we, how do we, how do we deal with that? Um, because I think that it's a personal response to that as a cybersecurity professional that we need to be involved in that moment. So a lot of it comes down to awareness and realizing that we can work together. And then what bits of cybersecurity bolt into the already present food protection side of the house. So it's a culture blend as well as training and very specific ground training, like as in train the operator, train the food professional, whoever's in quality, the labs, um, you know, the production staff. So they have specific targeted security awareness training that fits into the food culture that's there. 
So you answer this next question a, a little bit already um, by you know essentially creating that security culture smoothie, so to speak, and <laughs> and and doing training. So just to kind of dig into that a little more, how how can we actually bridge that knowledge gap between the food professionals that are out there in various capacities and cybersecurity professionals to to really kind of facilitate that the better understanding of like what's going on, what are some of the risks, what what we can do, sort of step by step. And really facilitate that that collaboration between the teams. So, what what can organizations do besides you know just training, for example, to actually connect the dots, so to speak, to to really build that strong security culture? Sure. Um, there's a couple different ideas that just came through my head really fast. Uh, number one would be breaking down your silos. So, actually having your teams work together, um, whether that's a shadow kind of day or getting people together to have conversations more. The more you can build team building, the better you'll be with that as a, just a basic, um, probably more cost-effective moment. The other thing you can do is invite your food protection team. So food defense, for example, should sit on your change management board, in my opinion. Um, specifically, if you are a food producer or any type of food at all, um, you should have your food defense and food safety people on your board. Um, probably somebody from quality would be great as well just so they can put their hand up and say, I don't know if that's going to work for us. Maybe that can introduce a, a contaminant we hadn't thought of. Um, it's the same with how cybersecurity has always fought to get on their, their change boards. Um, IT is great you know, by itself, but we need to make sure we have presence of someone who has that mindset. So again, it's just inserting that mindset over and over again and injecting it, if you will. Um, and, uh, I'm sure we can come up with some kind of food pun, like blending the spices better. But, um, I think that that's a good start. The other thing too, is, is I've, I've just raising awareness, what we're doing right now. Um, people are like, oh, that's a really interesting niche. I've heard that several times. It is sure. But it's actually one of the oldest niches. We just not put our hand up because it wasn't sexy enough to yet until now. Um, the ransomware attacks have increased so much and it's a, um, an easy target at this point because of legacy, because people, people haven't been paying attention to it, because it's now all of a sudden just a critical infrastructure. Um, I think we just have to keep saying, hey, food's really important. Let's pay attention to it as much as we do oil and gas and automotive. Um, I think that we need to continue having those conversations. The food protection side has already said that they know that they needed to get involved in cybersecurity, but because we live in this ivory tower, they were scared to go talk to us. So I always say, just, just bring security teams food. Socks love food. They're sitting there. Bring them plates of whatever you have. Um, or just go have a conversation with them over lunch. We're not actually as scary as we think we are, you know, and you think we are, or we think we are. And you should have those conversations with us. We need to find people that are more uh, connectors and relators to be able to bridge those gaps. Um, I know that this all sounds super vague, but it just depends on how the culture of your company is running and working. Um, I know that there's a lot of people out there that actually do like culture work. So maybe it's possible that you need to have those kind of conversations with those people to be able to bridge those gaps, especially when it comes with region and language and things like that. Um, every place is different. Every food production facility is different, even in an organization per operating company. So it gets, it gets really convoluted and complicated because you're in a family. I, I, ooh, I said the bad word. It's not a family environment. It's like a community. It's a, a town, a, a city, whatever you want to call it. You have to get in there and, you know, really um, humble yourself because it's their home you're walking into. Right. And I think ultimately a lot of uh, security professionals forget that you can't walk in and tell them that their drapes are ugly and then set them on fire without some type of response. 
you know? Um, so I think that especially with food companies, they have that very like community driven based. If we don't hit that on a cybersecurity level on top of trying to partner with the food protection, it's not going to work. And we've seen that already happen. So can you share some of the top challenges that we see in, you know, just at a common level in food safety and defense and, and with that, how can cybersecurity teams out there support the food professionals in, in basically tackling those challenges? Sure. Uh, traceability is a real big problem right now with food protection. Um, being able to find a contaminant um, within the supply chain aspect and where it came in and where it is. Um, it's not like you can exactly put a label on a, a thing of broccoli or there aren't exactly serial numbers attached to certain seeds. Like they're trying with this, but this is going to take a lot of tech, right? So because of that, we need to make sure that cybersecurity is there at the beginning of this, because you know, inherently it's not going to be secure by design, um, unfortunately. So the, the, the real big thing for me is the traceability aspect and the facts of digital transformation is happening, but it's not including cybersecurity necessarily at the forefront of it. So those two things actually have food professionals pretty worried. Um, the, the best thing I, and I've had these conversations before, of because we have so much detection software, generally speaking inside of at least the enterprise side, hopefully your industrial side, um, that data actually could show when a contaminant hit, it won't have like an actual, like, like thread line. It says contamination hit here, but you can read and see what's going on. If it came through on a, a digital front and it was a digital attack, you'll be able to detect it on some level, whether or not you realize it's happening or not. So that data is points are really important, especially when they've got to roll back, like, you know, recall, or they have to warn the public that there's E. coli, listeria, whatever's in the, you know, in the, in the lettuce or the, you know, the cookies. Um, I think that if the food protection people had additional data points, that would make that so much stronger and faster to find it. Um, and I've I've sat in on food professional meetings or food protection meetings in general. And I will tell you, Ken, the things that I've heard, like make me not want to eat certain things, to be honest with you. Um, and knowing that we have the ability to watch access control, we have the ability to help with access control, creating a new whole strategy around it. Um, and then having to create a strategy around how they deal with the trucks that come in and out of these facilities, how they deal with third parties, because third parties, as you know, are hugely notorious for causing problems. That type of partnership with food protection people is paramount. Like if we can get to that place where they're like, hey, I'm dealing with this new third party vendor that's bringing us strawberry filling. And you're like, cool. All right, great. So let's audit them to see what their security is like. Because if they have a breach on their side, it could affect us over here. Or maybe we'll they have they have a contamination. Let's make sure that it's as transparent as possible so we can figure out what's going to happen. Um, that partnership is so critical in that regard too. I keep saying the word critical, but I'm trying to like press upon this is very critical people. Um, I think the other part too is a lot of people don't realize like how fragile the food system is. And unfortunately, JBS kind of showed us that. Um, I don't know if everyone's read into it. I'm sure you've seen the the bits about the ransomware portion, but what ended up happening was, and on top of it was all those, all the livestock that they had that needed to be moved through processing, they didn't have a place for it. 
So those animals were stuck in trucks. They were in, they were trying to put them in secondary holding systems. There was so much broken on that food chain that all that meat basically was spoiled. If you think about it, because you can't have stressed out meat going in, it's going to cause a lot of disease and some other things. Um, or those animals are going to start dying and you can't exactly like harvest dead animals like that. Um, it has to be done properly and with an underneath regulation. So I, I think that what scares me about that is we're not taking it seriously enough. Yeah, we all know ransomware is super bad and we all know that it, what it can do. But the fact that the food industry still hasn't woken up to it and they're like digital transformation, woo! but they don't put the cybersecurity aspect on it is terrifying to me. Um, some of the largest animal producers out there, all of their chicken houses, for example, are digital now. Is that running on 4G or Wi-Fi? Because if it's on Wi-Fi, what's that 15-year-old doing in the house on top of the Wi-Fi that's controlling your chicken's health? Like, I have I have way too many questions that I probably don't want all the answers to because I think I'd just be screaming. But um, these are the things that we have to start thinking about. We have to start looking at the world in a different lens. And we already do that as security professionals anyways. But it's just taking it to a whole other level with your food. And I, I was thinking about it this morning. I was making breakfast kind of like, you know, about our conversation today and how... Um, I, some, we take for granted the, the eggs that are on the carton. We don't realize all the work that goes into that. We take for granted, you know, the packaged food that we've got to open up or bread that's available immediately. That all comes with a lot of human interaction and a lot of systems, a lot of systems, both in the production of it and the transportation of it and the growing of it. So I think, again, if we just stop and take a moment and reflect on that, we'll start to see how much we really need to support this critical infrastructure. So you mentioned the third parties earlier, and, and we're not going to bash on them by any means, but oh, it's a no. good segue into this question. Many organizations, regardless of the industry, are, are, are leveraging both an internal kind of IT support as well as a lot of stuff being outsourced to you know MSPs or MSSPs and um, across the board. So really when we're talking about cybersecurity professionals, how can we as professionals ensure that there's a consistent application of these quote unquote cybersecurity best practices across different business units and specifically tailoring that to your specialty, which is the food industry. So how, how can we accomplish that consistency? Sure. Um, I would say most people probably would agree with this. The security riders have to be tightened. If you don't have a security rider on your third party, you might want to make sure that's done on your renewal or get it renewed immediately. Um, I realize that that's lawyers and others, and but it's important. It's still important because it protects your business, your brand, and your people as much as possible. Um, the other aspect too is, do you have dedicated people that are watching these third parties? How do they have access? Again, we're going back to access control. Do they have full access? Because I have no many of them that do. Do they have little devices that are hanging out in your facilities? Do you even know why they're there? Do they have internet access? I'm assuming they would. Um, who put that in? Who authorized it? If this is legacy, you need to follow the, you know, go down the rabbit hole and figure it out. Because at that point, you might actually already have something going on. And I realize that a lot of the times we feel like, you know, detectives, we're kind of doing the Sherlock Holmes vibe or we're kicking over stones and stuff. Um, but it's important because it could lead to some type of food contamination down the line if there's just one nefarious actor or multiple or who knows. So those kind of things immediately. Obviously, we're going to talk about the legacy systems. I mean, we can't have this conversation without it. Um, I am of the mindset that you need to have very good network segmentation. And I don't want to hear the words air gapped because that just scares the shit out of me. <laughs> so, um, But I will tell you 
uh, that some of these systems that are out there that are running 90, 98 second edition windows are um, not being upgraded because the software that runs on them is so critical to the whole process that it would cost millions of dollars just for the software, not even the system to run the software. And that is why it's not being upgraded. If you segment that off properly, and I say properly and everybody understands what that means, I hope, um, it should be okay. And if you keep an eye on it, it should be okay. Um, I really have a hard time with people who are like, oh, they need to run the latest patches. They need to do all this. Okay. The only things these food companies care about is production uptime and employee safety. And brand would probably be the third after that. They they don't care about your security controls. They will circumvent them. They'll do what they want just to keep everything moving. I've seen it already. I don't know how many times I've yelled at operations and production managers who are on scissor lifts moving around the access points and warehouses because they couldn't pick their orders fast enough on their lifts. And it was it was very jarring to watch that moment because they literally just said, I don't care, I'm doing what I want. Um, and again, this, this is exactly how it will happen. If you have a security control in place that does not work and flow within the culture of that facility, they will circumvent it. And that will become another problem that these third parties will be dealing with. Um, I think the other part is too, I've seen a lot of people come in and out of these facilities, Ken, and they just jump on the Wi-Fi because the password is like available. Uh, no, don't do that. And we don't want phones on there either. If I see like Bob's iPhone on there, that needs to get off immediately because you just don't know these days. Um, I think people forget that these places of employment are like their homes. It's a castle. You have to protect your castle. And again, it comes back to that culture, if your culture isn't strong in your food protection side and your cybersecurity side, it's going to open the door to all these things, these bad behaviors. Um, and I shouldn't say necessarily that they're bad behaviors, they're misguided behaviors. Oh, it's not going to happen to us. We're not going to be breached. It's ransomware is not a problem for us. We, we're patched enough. We're segmented enough. We're all these things. I think every security professional knows who's listening to this. That is just a welcome mat for anybody to try. Um, and we have to be diligent and consistently diligent. Um, and that's that's the thing that's been hard is is getting people to care, Ken, to be truthful about what they what they're doing and how that affects others. Um, again, they only care about production uptime and safety. So if it doesn't fit into those two blo blocks, they don't want to deal with it. Um, and again, that third party aspect, if the third party is important to production and safety, they're going to tell you to take a seat because you're not helping, you're just creating a problem that's wasting their time. So you've got to break through a lot of barriers and having that relationship with the food protection side is probably going to be your best friend in breaking through that um, because they already have the ear of the production staff. So I think the analogy you gave early, early on, you know, of kicking in someone's door, oh, your drapes are ugly, <laughs> lighting them on fire. I think that's what, unfortunately, a lot of people do is they come into these organizations and just let me just slap security here, security there. Oh, look at this blinky vendor tool. It's going to save all, solve all our problems because the vendor said so. And, and, and I've seen this in healthcare when I worked in healthcare. If you don't put things in place that go with that natural flow of what people do in their day to day, they are going to bypass it. And they're going to be very creative. You're going to learn a lot because they're going to be very creative at, at how they get around these things. So I kind of kind of the final question, you know, not the totally final one, but one of the last ones I want to ask you is we're obviously in an industry where technology just 
continues to, I mean, there's innovations all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, the latest buzzwords are AI, ML, you know, LLMs, you know, <laughs> everyone's excited about that. But, uh, you know, just keeping technology in, in general, like as things change, as things advance, how can both cyber professionals and maybe some of the food industry organizations out there that might be listening, how can, how can everyone stay basically one step ahead of potential cyber threats while bringing in all this fancy new technology into the workflows? Sure. Um, the nice thing about the, the food industry as a whole, they are uh, really receptive to innovation anyways. Um, think about how far farming has come, for example, uh, horse and plow or person and then horse and plow. And then we've gotten up to, you know, automated uh, tractors that are running via IOT now, which is crazy if you think about it, like just the concept that's nuts, um, <laughs> but really cool. So I think the industry as a whole uh, is is really receptive to adopting technology. So they're not anti-technology, which is super helpful. Um, there's other industries that are like, absolutely not get away from us. Um, but at least this industry has embraced automation, has embraced AI, because again, it goes back to if it helps production and safety, it's a win. So I think that that aspect alone allows them to bring it in very easily. Um, in order to make sure that they have the right tech and the right um processes in place security wise. Uh, it goes back to what is, it just goes back to asset management. Like what have you got in your environment? What's working? What's not working? And I think you have to have those harder conversations of um, this is a waste of time. Um, I don't think we should do this. And I'll give you an example of that on a food side. So I, there was a food company that I, I was involved with years and years ago that um, this is the big boom with the cake pops. You still see them at Starbucks. But remember those, they became super popular, wildly popular for a while. Um, the machines that had to be purchased for those were millions, of course, because the line was really impressive to watch. The little cake pop went in, it got covered with chocolate and it went out. I don't know, whatever it did. I don't get stuck on the shiny in these places. I'm just looking at the cables thinking, is that even remotely secure? Um, however, uh, everybody was super proud of it. So whenever you did a tour of that particular factory, they like made you stay there for like 20 minutes. And I usually was around the facility at the time. And I always was noticing the VIPs coming in and out. Um, at one point I was, I think I was somewhere close to it. And I heard the production manager say, we're going to stand here and appreciate this like $2.5 million machine that I was made to get. <laughs> and I, and I just kind of, I, I think I laughed on the other side of the room, but, um, well, the other side of the area. And it made me realize that even the innovation itself is intrusive sometimes to what they need to do for production and ended up being a bit of a wash. I think they just basically paid for it. And then the machine kind of went away because K-pop, you know, kick pops went to the wayside. But if you think about all the innovations in food itself, they um, they are used to the the disappointment, if you will, the let's try something. If it doesn't work, then it's OK. Then we're going to let it go. Um, they'll write it off as a loss. Um, but when it comes to like, uh, technology for security, monitoring tools, whatever you want to put in there, um, it's a fight for that budget because the forecasting is so strong within the food companies. They, they know how much they're going to make in a certain block of time and they really don't want to give any more money than they have to. The idea is in security specifically within food is to find ways to use that technology to help make them money or help keep their people secure and safe. So that's why I'm saying that the detection software we have with the food protection side of the house, is going to be super important to be able to help you to keep people safe, 
keep the brand out of trouble, you know, um, make sure that people aren't eating, you know, whatever that could be contaminated with whatever. Um, the latest ones, I obviously pay attention to those on the news, wood chips and things, metal and things like crazy stuff. Somebody found a pen in one of them the other day. I literally thought it was just somebody leaning over a vat and their pen just fell. And that shouldn't have been, a, somebody should have taken that pen and put it in their pocket or something like that. Um, again, these are human moments and we're humans trying to solve human moments. So that whole, again, that whole technology side of the house that we have, those those cool stacks that we've got of awesomeness, um, we need to figure out how we can use that within the food protection side. If we can do that and we can save these company monies, they're going to invest more into cybersecurity. Um, I was sitting through a presentation not too long ago from a CISO um, who had done just that inside of his industry, and he doesn't have a problem with his budget any longer. Um, if you're a CISO and you're hearing this, call me because I'll help you get through that. Um, but think about that as a CISO, that you didn't have to worry about your budget anymore because you had something that was help paying for your whole budget. Think about that. That's amazing. That's the type of behaviors that we need to start doing as security professionals inside of not just food, but any industry. How can we help them make money or keep people safe and secure um, beyond what we do within the digital space? Kristen, any final advice or thoughts you, you want to share with um, both businesses that might be listening as well as the cyber professionals out there? Um, don't be afraid to collaborate. Don't be afraid to talk. Don't be, be curious, ask questions. Um, I know I've probably got myself a lot of trouble for being curious. I constantly wandering into places um, and asking questions. Tell me about what you do for a living. Explain. I, I want to understand. Um, the more you could hear those personal stories of why did I get into food defense? Why am I still here? Um, what do I care about? Those are going to empower you to be able to protect people better. Um, I think the other thing too is, is coming along and supporting a lot of these security professionals that are walking into the food industry for the first time. I met someone who, like you, came out of uh, healthcare and now is, you know, handling a very large food company as a CISO. And I find that amazing because that perspective is going to be so critical while he and she, he or she will start learning how to continue um, to serve with cybersecurity. It's, it's, we all like to eat people. I mean, it's not rocket science there. It's, we have to eat to survive. And this goes in part and people are like, oh, well, what about water? I'm just talking about food, but water is important to food. So yes, water can be included in this. And we've already seen examples where people are trying to tamper with water via digital remote situations. So I don't know what else we need is a light bulb moment as a community to start paying attention. Um, I realize that people say that there isn't any money in food, which is so ridiculous because the largest ransomware payout to date that we know of came to out of a food company. Um, we also know that it's being attacked more frequently. Um, Dole package lettuce got hit, you know, the beginning of the year. That was a big one because they couldn't get their lettuce at all to the grocery stores for, I think, a couple of days. And that that's a huge dent to the company as well as potential loss of of crop, if you will, um, things like that, just start caring. And I, I gave a talk not too long ago about, um, cybersecurity in the wine industry. And I had someone ask at the end, how can I get involved in food and cybersecurity? What do I do? Is there like a path for me? And I, and I actually had never gotten that question before. Ken, I kind of laughed and I went, well, I mean, do you like eating? And they're like, oh yeah. And I said, well, you work in cybersecurity now. Well, yeah, of course I do. Oh, look, you're in like, <laughs> Congratulations, you made it. Um, I think I think we spend too much time trying to find ways into certain niches when we just need to carve them out. And that's 
It's as simple as that. Um, and that's what I'm doing now. Uh, so I stay curious, ask questions. If you, if you feel like something's not right, say something kind of thing in, in your company, if you're working with them, um, question the vending machines that are connected to the internet in your office. We've all had those conversations. It goes back to the fish tank hack, you know, the same deal. Um, and those kind of things will keep us more secure. And honestly, just learn about the industry. Um, it's a, it's a fascinating, amazing industry. And the people who work in it are really dedicated to making sure that we have food that we can just pull out our refrigerator without thinking in a rush to get to our next meeting. Thanks for listening to the show. If you're looking to secure your business better or build up your cybersecurity career, then check us out over at cyberlife.tv. That's C-Y-B-E-R-L-I-F-E dot T-V.